The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the day of Armageddon? For Jesus to come? Armageddon takes place in the last days before a new heaven and a new earth are created by God. The word Armageddon is only found once in the New Testament. Revelation 16, verse 16. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in the Hebrew is called Armageddon. It's a great battle. It's the final battle. After God pours out the sixth bowl of wrath, the Antichrist calls the kings of the earth to come together as a mighty army, to unite together, to destroy the people of God. And when they come, fire from heaven comes down and destroys the powers of darkness. This is the final battle of evil human government against the God of heaven and against the people of God. And God wins. Now, I love the book of Revelation. I've been studying this book from the time I was a child. I don't understand much of it. I could go through and I could say this means that and and this means that and this happens here. I've heard that all my life. And much of what I was told as a child I've discovered was wrong. Now everyone is saying in some camps there will be a secret rapture and it will come before the final the final peace treaty between Israel and the Arabs. And they're expecting now that great rapture of the church any day, a secret rapture. I've listened to the arguments. I can't find it in the scriptures. I hope it's true. I hope Jesus is going to come and catch his people away before the time of tribulation. We'll know very soon. Because we're entering now the final tribulation of the earth. This peace treaty will soon be signed, and that triggers a seven-year period of time. Three and a half years, not so difficult. Hard, but not totally impossible. But then comes the last three and a half years under the direct power of the Antichrist, the evil one, the man of sin. That's going to be horrendous. Where in that seven-year period does Jesus come? Is it, is it mid-tribulation? Is it at the end of the tribulation? I've studied the scriptures, and I tell you, I can argue. I can argue many different positions. But you know what? My real interest does not lie in when events will take place. My real interest is, are you ready and am I ready to meet Jesus? Are we ready for Jesus to come? I went out this morning to Panera's to grab a a quick salad for my breakfast. I found myself looking in the sky watching for Jesus. Please hear me when I say this. Jesus is everything to me, and he must be everything to you. And I can say, oh, there's a secret rapture coming, and we're going to miss the tribulation. I don't know that. Halfway through, Jesus is going to take his church to hell. I don't know that. 
at the end of the tribulation, there will be that handful of people who will greet Jesus, who will never see death. They will enter heaven without being held in bondage to death. I don't know that. What I do know, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Now, horrible things are going to happen. Right now, the seals of God from Revelation 6 are being opened. We know that because things are already happening that we can read there. Chapter 7, the 144,000 Jewish people are sealed. Then the trumpets come. Chapter 12, the woman and the dragon. The beast power out of the sea. But you know what I read? Chapter 12, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I can tell you right now, without any question, if there is not very soon in the coming days a secret rapture of the church, and I'm not saying there is, but if there is not, many of us will lay down our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not going back to normal. That's over. We're going into a time of great tribulation and sorrow. And I'm here to prepare the bride of Christ. I'm not here to tell you what's going to happen from the book of Revelation. You can read it for yourselves. But I am here. with the purpose of preparing you to meet Jesus. Now, just very quickly, in Revelation, the 18th chapter, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. All the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Dmitri Duneman says that the Lord showed him that that was America. America was Babylon. Others say, no, no, Saudi Arabia, that's Babylon. Others say, no, Rome is, I don't know which is Babylon. I just know there is a, a Babylonian power, a financial power, a wicked, wicked financial power that has corrupted the whole world. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her death and mourning and famine, and she will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Do you understand? We have lived through a period of time in history where God has allowed nations to establish themselves. He has established America as a Judeo-Christian nation. But birth into America was occultism. It was a mix now, America has, has been called to serve the living God of heaven, and we have utterly rejected him. The modern church has utterly rejected the word of God. We have, we have turned 
from the truth of sanctification. We have rejected, as the modern church, righteousness. Now large numbers of evangelical Christians even reject the divinity of Jesus. We're in trouble. So we're faced with with the reality that America either is going to have to totally repent and turn back to Jesus, or America is going to burn. Now, is America Babylon? Many prophets say yes. You know, I made a decision a long time ago. I'm not going to add to or take away from the book of Revelation. We're told that if you add to it or you take away from it, a curse will fall on you. So I'm not going to add to it. I'm not going to take away and tell you, listen, I know what's right. No, the word of God is the word of God. Let it speak to your heart. Now I want to read for you just to encourage you this passage out of Revelation 19. After this, I heard what sounded like a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, this is after Babylon has been burned. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute, who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. America has been a prostitute, and we have corrupted the earth by our adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders, the four living creatures, fell down and worshipped God who was seated on his throne. And they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a, a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Not very many people are going to be invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. I want you to be one of those invited. And I will use the last ounces of my energy to call you to repent and get serious with Jesus because now is the time we are entering into the great tribulation and things are going to get very difficult. People are going to die. You and I may die. I rejoice that if I die, I will be with Jesus but I want to remain here as long as I can, proclaiming righteousness and holiness, calling you to prepare for the banquet of the Lamb. Many years ago when I began to leave the modern church and I began to seek after Jesus with all my heart and I began to repent, I had a dream. I'll share my dream with you. I was standing at a chain-link fence. I was on the edge of the town, and I was looking. I was looking through that chain-link fence, and there before me was the most beautiful table I've ever seen. 
It was set with beautiful crystal, silver, gold. It was stunning to look at. And it went beyond where my eyes could even see it. It was a long table. But I was fenced out. I was not able to enter. There was no gate there. With great sorrow in my heart, I turned. Began to walk back into town. And as I walked, I suddenly met a rejoicing and happy throng of people. They were laughing and talking. There were shouts of Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. They were worshiping the Lord. And suddenly I recognized that I was naked. They were all dressed in royalty, but I was naked. And I suddenly recognized that they had been invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb, but I was locked out. And I made a determination those many years ago. I am not going to be found naked before God. I am going to allow him to dress me in the robes of righteousness and holiness. I'm not going to be one day standing at that chain-link fence saying, please let me in. And he says, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I won't do it. I can't. I don't want you to do it. I want you to be saved. And the only way you can be saved is to be dressed in the royal garments of righteousness and holiness. Those come as a gift from Jesus, but they're real. They're not imaginary. They're not make-believe. Blessed. Revelation 19.9. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Oh, I want to be there. I want you to be there. Enough of this low life. I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings and generals and mighty men of horses and their riders, the flesh of all people, free, slave, small, great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on the flesh. This is not, this is not a parable. Brothers and sisters, this is going to happen. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. What struck me as, I, as I've read and reread and reread this is that it wasn't Michael. It wasn't Gabriel. It wasn't some powerful angel that we've seen in the past. It's just an angel. I think when we see the devil, 
I think when we see the devil, we're going to be shocked at how weak he is. And we're going to say, I followed that until Jesus saved me? Because there's no comparison between Satan and our Lord Jesus. They are as different as day and night. I saw thrones on which were seated those who'd been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image. They'd not received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. They came to life and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Oh, I want to be there. Do you? When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Listen, my brother, my sister, this is not parable. This is what is going to actually, in the physical and spiritual realm, it is going to take place. It is going to happen in time and space and history. To gather them for battle in number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth. They surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. These are people who have lived during the thousand-year millennium where they've not been tempted by the devil. But they did not like the rule of Jesus over them. And now they have another one that they can follow and they reject Jesus and they rebel against the kingdom of God that is on the earth. The city of God on the earth. Fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They were tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done. You will be judged if you are at that great white throne judgment by what you have done in this life, what you did today. The sin you've committed this week, you will be judged for it. The sea gave up the dead. Death and Hades gave up the dead. Each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and God from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be there 
will be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Oh, I want to be there. I want to be there. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the great day of Armageddon? Are you ready to walk through the tribulation? Are you dressed in the robes of righteousness and holiness? Or is there still sin in your life? Are you clean before God? Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ? Have you died? Have you been born from above? Do you know or did you believe the lying prophets of our age that said, God loves you unconditionally and you're saved? You can never lose your salvation. You don't have to be righteous. Jesus was righteous. No, because Jesus was righteous. I have to also be made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. The great tribulation we are just on the edge of entering. We are entering into a seven-year countdown. When does Jesus come during this time? I don't know. Does he come tomorrow? I don't, oh, I hope so. Does he come halfway through? I don't know. Does he come at the end? Oh, I know he comes at the end. Oh, my brother, my sister, my heart aches for Jesus Christ. My heart aches for my Lord. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be with Jesus. I'm tired of the, of the noise and the confusion. I'm tired of the violence and the wickedness and the vile nature of what is turning everything into Amer in America into something evil. I'm tired of the... I'm tired of the technology that wants to funnel wickedness into our hearts every day, every moment. I'm tired of the bitterness and the anger and the hurt. I weep before God. I love Jesus. And I want to live with him for eternity. I don't care much about getting the order of revelation all laid out straight. This is how it's going to happen. Well, right. You know, I've listened to so many men and women who said they knew and now, many years later, I know they were lying. They didn't know at all. I do know one thing. I've read the end of Revelation. And this week, we'll look at Revelation 21. I know who wins. I've read the end of the book. Jesus wins. This evil that causes so much pain to our hearts, that separates men and women, this evil has to go. It has to be removed. It must be removed.
Now, my primary concern, much more important than the vile nature of our social media, much more than the vile nature of our our churches. I'm concerned about where I stand before God because I don't want to be shut out of the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be one of those foolish virgins who hears the cry, the bridegroom's coming and I'm out of oil. I don't want to miss the wedding supper of the Lamb. One of the last things my father said to me shortly before he called, before he died, he called me. He said, Ray, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Don't miss the wedding feast. Don't miss the wedding feast. Are you going to miss it? Because you're still walking in sin. You're still walking in rebellion against the Almighty. You're still following the lust of your own heart. You're still lusting after money and comfort. You're still envious of somebody about something. You're jealous of somebody. There's anger in your heart. God's not doing enough for you. A sense of entitlement. You're going to go your own way. You're going to do your own thing. You're not going to wait on God for direction. You're just going to go because this seems right to me. You'll miss the wedding feast of the Lamb. I don't want you to miss. Romans 6, what shall we say? Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how should we live in it? Are you ignorant? Are you uneducated? Do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in the newness of life. If you are still the same old, same old, if you have not come into that newness of life, you may have been baptized in water, but you've not been baptized in the Spirit. You've not entered into the death of Jesus Christ yet. The sign that you have been baptized into Jesus is you have the ability, you have the power to say no to sin. If you cannot say no to your sin, you have not yet been born from above and you must seek the face of Jesus in serious and honest repentance, searching after him, saying, Please, Jesus, don't let me die. Don't let me die in my sin. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, literally was destroyed. The body of sin may be destroyed that we not hereafter serve sin for the one having died has been freed from sin. And some of you say, oh, pastor, I sin all the time. Sin is voluntary rebellion against God. Do you voluntarily rebel 
against the commands of Jesus. Are you, are you shacked up with somebody that you're not married to? Then you're in deliberate rebellion against God. Are you an alcoholic? Are you a druggie? You're in absolute rebellion against God. Is your heart filled with anger and rage and bitterness? Then you're in rebellion against the Almighty God. And you will have no place in the kingdom above. Are you a gossip? Is your heart filled with malice? Are you filled with the things of the world and the flesh and the devil? Then you are blocked out of the kingdom of God. We were buried with Jesus. Verse 11, this is 6, Romans 6, verse 11. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ray, are you a sinner? No, I'm a redeemed man of Jesus. Have you sinned? Yes. Gross sin? Yes. How'd you deal with it? I repented. I put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. I was made into a new creature. I no longer go there. I no longer do that by his grace and his mercy. Listen. The sin must not reign in your mortal body. Verse 12 to obey it in the lust of it. And you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all, yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Now, that doesn't mean that grace is going to cover your sin. It means that the old man has been destroyed, and you no longer are under the bondage of sin. You have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say that? Have you been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ? If you haven't, then sin rules over you. And if sin rules over you, you are under the law and you are not under grace. Grace never covers your sin. According to Titus, the book of Titus, grace is what teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to sin. For just as you yielded your members as servants to uncleanness and to lawlessness, so now you must yield your members as servants to righteousness and to holiness. For when you used to be servants of sin, you used to be free with reference to righteousness. What fruit, therefore... Were you having then, on account of which now you are shamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin, and having been made servants from God, you have fruit in holiness. And the end, life eternal. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of grace from God is life eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you get it? This requires a whole change of your thinking. No longer saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's an oxymoron. It's not true. Can't be true. If you're saved by grace, you're not a sinner. If you're a sinner, you're not saved by grace. You can't be a sinner and be saved. You have to leave your sin. 
Jesus came, it tells us in 1 John, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I'm not going to pretend that this is a painless process. If you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to lay down your life, and that gate is a suffering gate. It's a groaning gate. And you're going to have to lay down your life. And you're going to have to receive a new life from Jesus. You're not going to be able to continue to live as you have lived, watching what you want to watch on the TV, going to the Internet, playing all the games. Some of you spend hours every day playing violent video games. And then you wonder why God doesn't talk to you. And then you wonder why the scriptures have no attraction for you. Why you go to sleep as soon as you start to read the scriptures. Because you've seared your mind with the cheap, trivial pursuit of darkness. Some of you say, Pastor, I've done all I can do. I've done my best. And I'm still walking in sin. Well, of course. This is not about doing your best. This is about dying. This is about giving up your life, your self-life. Some of you want the recreation of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I listened to a, a podcast yesterday from a man who He and his wife made the decision that they were going to become totally off the grid. They were going to live in a home where there was not a connection to the sewer or to the the electricity. They were going to live totally off grid. And he said, the problem, many of you would like to do this, but you want to go just halfway. He said, you don't want to just go off grid. You want to have your lifestyle of the grid, but you want the enjoyment of being free of the grid. You want the electricity as a backup in case something happens. You want the sewer as a backup in case something happens. He said, you can't be successful going off-grid until you jump in with both feet. I laughed as he was speaking about this. This is true. You cannot be a Christian until you jump in with both feet and you say, okay, I'm done with the world. I'm done with the flesh. I'm done with the devil. I'm not going to watch the world's movies anymore. That includes most that are called Christian. There are a few good ones. I'm not going to participate in the wickedness of our age. I'm not going to spend my time on the internet looking at videos with every kind of idea. I'm going to search after Jesus with all my heart. If you want Jesus, you're going to have to die to your self-life. You're going to have to be born from above. So again, I ask you the question, are you ready? Are you ready for the battle, the war of Armageddon? It's coming. And the great day of judgment is coming. And you're going to stand before the judgment bar of God. And you're going to be judged, according to Revelation, by what you have done. Not by whether you have the imputed grace of Jesus. That doesn't cut it at the judgment day. That is only something of fable time now in the modern church. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm Ray Greenlee. This is Pilgrim's Progress.
from the National Prayer Chapel. I hope this has been helpful to you today. We're coming to the end of the month. And again, I need your help. This is a faith ministry. I don't have a means of supporting this radio broadcast except as God moves in your hearts and causes you to give. I want to thank each one of you who has given so kindly. Last night I went to lock up my front door and there was an envelope that had been pushed through the door and in it an offering for Pilgrim's Progress. (laughs) Thank you for those who give by mail, by internet. You can give by going online to nationalprayerchapel.com. Go to the upper right-hand corner and you can click on Give. Now we have to pay a percentage, but you're welcome to give online. I also ask, would you please subscribe because that causes Google to spread our videos out more broadly. 30% of those who find our videos find them via the internet with Google. You can also write to me. I'm encouraged by your letters. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 That's the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 Almighty God I bring each person now to you each one who has listened I'm asking for the moving of your Holy Spirit in power to prepare them for the great day of judgment that's coming, to prepare them for the wedding feast of the Lamb, for the war of Armageddon. Lord, would you move with power, with healing in their minds and their bodies and their spirits? Would you provide for them all that they need for their, their physical life? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Again, I'm Ray Greenley. Thank you for listening. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'd love to meet you one day soon. I hope to. Thank you for listening. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.